Hello, welcome to another episode of Dear Workwives. I'm Adrian, and I'm Emily, and, and I'm so excited to be here. <sighs> Me too. Yeah, we. I've been so busy, we haven't had time to chat. So really, this will just be be us hanging out. So yeah. So we're just hanging today. Apologies in advance. We will do what we're supposed to do, but we will also chit chat a little bit. So. Yeah, well, you texted me yesterday that like, oh, I'm going to see you in four, five or four weeks. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's that soon. So soon. Yeah, it's four. We right. leave four, four weeks third tomorrow. So. Wow. Mm -hmm. I know That's we were telling exciting. my kids because they're like. They're like, we wish you hadn't told us. And I was like, well. Like it was better when we didn't have to wait this long to go. And I was like, well, too bad. <laughs> Why did you decide to tell them this Because time? we needed to have a frank conversation about if they could handle the drive. You know? Like, well, yeah, yeah. you know, we want to go to Florida. We want to go visit Adrian. We maybe want to do Disney. But we can yeah. only make it work if we drive. Because it's March break. It's spring break here. So the flights are like quadruple the price. Yeah. Um, so financially, we can only make it work if we drive. It costs like a quarter based on like our estimations right. and they, but that means like out of the 11 days we're gone, like four full days of them are in the car and they were like, mm -hmm. Oh God. So, but they both, they both were like, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Like I was like, well, you get to watch a bajillion movies. Like you can read your books and you can get fun snacks. Like, snacks. so take, nap. take naps. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you can move into different seats in the van, you know, you can move around like not while well, the car is moving people, but yeah. <laughs> They're about to get canceled. <laughs> I know. Like, um, don't let the car seat moms come for you. I know. Lila's Lila's ten and a half, as almost now, and she just got out of her booster. So I think oh, we're she finally happy. did. She did. Yeah, she did. She's very yeah. happy about it because her it hurts her butt. She's like, it's so hard. Oh. And like the actual van seat is so comfy, more comfortable. So anyway, yeah. so yeah, we're very. I was like, oh, it's soon though. We got because Lila wants to go shopping. She has a old navy gift card just burning a hole in her pocket. And I was, I had said at Christmas, well, wait until the spring clothes come out because you'll need something. You might want a new spring outfit to take to Florida. So yeah, because even if it's like 15 degrees Celsius, we will be wearing shorts and you'll be wearing a puffer jacket. <laughs> right. Because that's right. like 60 for you. <laughs> yeah. That's still cold for me yeah that'll be like gorgeous for us for you so, yeah mm -hmm. but i'm sure it'll be hot it's like a month away kit got um her gg tyler's mom sent her like a 25 dollar gift card for target for her birthday mm -hmm. and it's also been burning a hole in her pocket yeah. so we went to the store this weekend so that she could pick something out and tyler is just like she is such a shopper like she loves to shop it's yeah. so funny like she's walking down the aisles like hmm I don't think I like that like maybe I like this yeah like, let's hold on to this and then like we'll see at the end if I like that or not <laughs> I love but it she was just having the best time like being able to pick out but she knew like right away what she wanted and but we still had to go down every aisle every to make aisle. sure, you know? Yeah. Oakland and I did that on Friday. Yeah. I went to Toys R Us and walked every aisle. And he ended up with the first thing that he looked at. But it's fine. It was like, yeah. it was his money. I was like, take your time. You know, we're not in a rush. Yeah. Normally we go in, we're getting a gift for a friend. And we've got like 10 minutes and it's torture for them. But when it's their yeah. money and they can get whatever they want, it's, I'm like, take as much time as you want. Like, I'm just here to look at the Lego sets. Yeah, we don't even have a Toys R Us. 
I know it only survived in it went Canada, out of business. but it's hopping here. So. Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought they went bankrupt. They did in the states, but Canada survived. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Jeffrey lives on. Jeffrey. <laughs> uh. Well, I have um, some some news, like a news article with some data that okay. could be uh, promising. Let's and do it. Hopeful for our society and for our clockwork mindset. Um, you know, at clockwork, we really believe that people need to prioritize their lives and improve mm-hmm. their quality of life. And this article says that American hustle culture is dying. Good. Isn't that good? That's so good. It says millennials are willing to take a 20% pay cut for a better work-life balance. So I guess they surveyed um, all of the like generations and some like millennials are most pro work-life balance out of all of the generations. Um, Baby boomers were the least willing at 33%. It makes sense. They need the money right now. Yeah. 60% of American millennials would take a 20% salary cut for a better work-life balance. 100%. I know people actively doing that right now, like choosing to yeah. be like, no, I like the work. I like my life too much to do, to work more for more money. Like I'm quite happy mm-hmm. to make this much money and have a life outside of my job. Yeah. And then Ford also asked, so this was like a study done and it said Ford also asked respondents if they believed a job that increases personal stress isn't worth it. Um, a whopping 79% of baby boomers said it wasn't worth it um, to work somewhere that increases your personal stress. They were actually the highest respondent. Like, they didn't want stress the most, which I think baby is boomers? interesting. Yeah. Mm. They want all the money and none of the work. That tracks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's worth working at a job that increases your personal stress. Baby boomers were the highest, followed by Gen X, then Gen Z, and and millennials, um, the lowest of respondents, 63% of millennials agreed with that, said they don't think it's worth working at a job that increases your personal stress. Hmm. wonder if that's because we're just conditioned right? to operate in. I feel like millennials have are the most, like, um, I don't want to say jaded, but are just the most, like well, fuck this. Like they have no hope, you know, for the most hopeless, hopeless, but also in that regard being like, well, I'm never going to own a home. I'm never going to retire in the traditional sense that, you know, boomers and whatever are talking about retiring. Um, a lot of them aren't having kids. So they're just like, so let me just enjoy my day to day, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they're willing to handle stress more than other generations in the work to it <laughs> space yeah or maybe they just assume that like you have to you know yeah if you're um, gonna if you're gonna make more money it's gonna be more stressful yeah but they're willing to take jobs with a pay cut to they're the most willing to take jobs with a pay cut 
to have better work-life balance. So it's interesting. A contradiction. Contradicting ourselves as a generation. That tracks also for us. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So I thought that was interesting. Um, I there was another article like a, some about work culture predictions by 2030, mm-hmm. and predicted more focus on mental well being, flexibility for employees, um, less like more proactive like uh, mindfulness solutions versus therapy like on the back end you know like let's right, preventative and not <laughs> yes um so yeah i agree with all that too i saw a post an instagram card from adam grant i like adam grant um, oh i love him he's like work um, culture yeah uh, organizational psychologist, um, business crush, you know, yes. I don't even know yeah. what the man looks like. I probably could pick him out of a lineup, but I can't picture him in my head, but in terms <sighs> of his work and research and all of that, I just really admire him. So yeah. he has a podcast too called work life. I think it's yes. called. Yeah. 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 I can't find the quote, but it was very good. It was, it was basically just saying how like those things like mental health, like just pay people more money. Like that's really what, like, you know what I mean? Like they just want uh, to make a living wage and that would eliminate or more. And that would eliminate a lot of their need for these extra supports. Like Mm. the reason people are so stressed is because they're financially stretched, like they can, they're not making enough money and they don't see the possibility of how they can make an, any more money. So it's like, instead yeah. of investing in like the, these programs, which I mean, don't get me wrong. They're great. Like I just use my husband's like employee assistance program to book some therapy sessions myself. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. it's great. But if I'm not saying you need to pay me more money, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> I'm messed up because I of other reasons, not because I don't make enough money, but <laughs> <laughs> um, for most people, like a lot of these strains and, and like, they don't need a psychiatrist on speed dial. They need to make $20,000 more a year so they can afford childcare and rent and groceries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People complaining yeah. about the cost of like, there's this huge debate online right now about out of touch CEOs saying like, it shouldn't cost $2,000 a month for childcare. Like just find oh, a lower man. alternative. It's like, there isn't, there isn't one. What yeah, are you so talking this was about? Like a viral Dave Ramsey um, <laughs> podcast. So he was the one, like someone was calling up. Okay. Yeah. And they, you know, he, he, people call him for like financial advice yes. through his podcast and things like that. And the guy said that as a household, they make um, $180,000 a year, which is incredible. Right. You would, you would, right? you would think. on where you live. Depending you would on where you live. But so then the guy was like, you know, they will be making more money in two years because right now his wife is a is in her residency program. So it's obviously she doesn't make as much as she will once she's like a full doctor, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that their childcare, like he can't figure out like how to make ends meet or how to hit all of his financial goals because their childcare costs $80,000 a year. 
And Dave Ramsey was like, how? Like, how does it cost $80,000 a year? He's like, mm-hmm. well, I have two kids. Yeah. We pay, yeah, $2,000 a month for each of them. And then they don't have school in the summer. So we have to pay a nanny during yes. the summer for the yeah. two kids. Yeah. Which turns out to be about $80,000 a year. And they were like, no, like you need to find a cheaper option. Find free camp. Find a free summer camp is what his co-host said. And I was like, even for the ones, the internet. yeah, even for those that there are free, ca- you're financially not going to qualify it. Those are for, for people who make $30,000 a year, you know? Right. <laughs> right. So that's not an option. Like, and depending on where they live, that may be, you know, $2,000 a kid might be not necessarily, it sounds like they probably go to a, he said they go to like a nicer preschool or something, but like, so there are potentially cheaper options, but not that much cheaper, you know, like when you have two kids going to preschool, like you have to understand, like it's expensive, you know? Yeah. Even if you knock, make it $1,500 a kid, you're saving what twelve thousand dollars over the course of the year, which is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but you're still spending yeah. seventy eight or sixty eight thousand dollars a year on childcare. That's yeah. like more than some people's yeah. salary, but it's not a nego- It's it's not a negotiable thing. You have to pay it. Yeah, like sure, you could try to find something cheaper, but if that's also something that they value is like exactly. where they're at. But but also it's um really hard to get your kid into a new preschool like that's not something that you're going to be able to do right away like right. we were on the wait list for months years like coco has been on the wait list for the school that kit's kit goes to be- since before she was born yeah like she didn't have a date of birth yet when i when i signed her up on the wait list i was like it said date of birth and i said tbd <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet because she's still in my body. Yeah. Um, and she's still not the first on the wait list. You know, like once her once she turns two, then we will still have to wait until there's a spot for her. So it just doesn't work like that where you can just like move your kid whenever you want. No, you can't. Also, it's your child. And if you want like every parent wants the absolute best that they can manage for their child. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah. and for the reality is like everyone has different resources, but if I was making that kind of money, I would value putting a large chunk of it towards someone taking care of my child. Yeah. I think his mistake was calling Dave Ramsey for financial advice. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I think that was the problem. Look, Especially if you just cancel that, your like, Netflix. Yeah, just cancel your Netflix and then what I don't know what Stop he was trying Starbucks. to afford or if he's like trying to get himself out of debt with like right. okay, get it, but if this is something you really value and also Dave and your co-host like childcare is expensive. I'm sorry. Like yeah, you're he's just, he's like a grandfather. Going to he's so out of school. touch with it. <sighs> anyway, even then like once they go to public school then they don't have summer camp and then you got to pay for summer camp. And a lot of people need before and after school care and summer camp and it works mm-hmm. out to be the same. Same. Yeah. So. I know. I'm so close. I mean, not that I I haven't had to pay for any of this for a very long time, but I'm so close to like not even feeling guilty about that. And it's great. Like my kids are almost old enough that I'm like, ah, you can can, stay home for a half an hour. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I can go to the grocery store because I forgot something and not have to cart you with me. 
What a dream. I can't wait. Are you ready to do some stories? Let's do it. Okay. I thought this was a, a good one to to help uh, people out. I think this is applicable to everyone. <laughs> what do you do in your routine slash during the week to keep sane and bring some joy <laughs> to your life? <laughs> I work a seven to four office job and the winter blues is rearing its ugly head at me. I'm only 22 years old and already feeling it's slowly dimming my light. I have struggled over and over to establish a daily routine, but I always get sad and tired and wonder what the point is. Okay. Do you, what, what, uh, parts of your routine are most valuable to you aside from, um, your routine? What do you do to recover and feel okay after work? Uh, I rot on my couch. No. Okay. So no, (laughs) let me, I have like some real answers for this because this is something that like this year in particular, where I live in the world has been very dark. We, for the month of January, I think we had like 40 hours of sunlight total. Um, Mm -hmm. we've had a good sun, a few sunny days now, and it's actually brought me back to life. So, um, a, I just want to remind everyone that we are animals. And so winter is actually like a rejuvenation it's a dead everything is dead in winter in nature if you think about it we are part of nature this is a regrowth behind the scenes under the ground the work is happening behind the scenes so if you need to have like a like i think more people need to stop fighting the the january january is not going to feel like july it's it's we're biologically programmed to slow down in this in the northern hemisphere at this time of year so it's okay like, if you just want a bit, even it's still cold by your standards. Yeah. It's still rainy. Yeah. It's still, you know, um, so I think, Hey, we don't need to fight so hard to be this, have the same energy levels, the same, um, zest for being active as we do in July. In July, it's dark until 10 o'clock at night. Like in here, it's dark at four, Like you know? Right, I just want to right. sit on my couch and read a book and that's fine. And I think we need to stop pretending that that's laziness or wrong. Like you can follow the natural f- rhythms of nature. That being said, you can still do things like what are some cozy things that you can do? Like pick up a hobby at home, read a book, uh, like ch- check in with your friends, maybe set some like FaceTime dates with friends. If you live somewhere where you, mm. even the weather means that you don't, it's, you don't want to go out because maybe it's unsafe. Maybe you don't have a car and you have to take public transit and it takes forever and it's cold and wet, like FaceTime things go back to the good old zoom days of the pandemic and play some online games with your friends. <laughs> I just think it's okay to lean into that at this time of year. That's my first yeah. thought, but then I'll let, now I'll let you talk. No, I agree. I think that like finding some activities that are fun for you, but also don't like wear you out more, especially in the hibernation season. Like you mentioned in the, in the submission that like, you know, it's dark, it's gloomy. So obviously like maybe you live in, you know, a dark and gloomy place too. And Mm -hmm. I did not really understand seasonal or never had heard of it, like seasonal depression, like seasonal disorder or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Until I went to Seattle for like seven days one time to visit my friend. Didn't see the sun. 
by like day five, I was starting to feel like depressed and like not myself and gloomy and like Mm -hmm. womp womp. And then I realized I hadn't seen the sun in five days. I was like, oh, I have not seen the sun. And that is something I don't even think about like living in Florida. Yeah. Because I see it all the time. And so I almost like, I take it for granted that the sun is out every single day. You know, most days I will see the sun, even if it's just for 30 minutes, like, like it's out right now, you know, like it's just not even, it wasn't even a thought that seasonal effect or affect disorder, whatever was real, but also that it like, not that I didn't think it was real, but I just had never experienced it. I never had to think about it until I experienced it. And I was like, wow, this is very depressing. It's very (laughs) depressing. And you don't like, even if you're aware of it, it's, it's like, um, it's like a weight on you where you, because there's nothing you can do about it and you you can't make the sun come out. You can like take your vitamin D supplements. You can get a light. Like I, we keep our um, basement Christmas light or Christmas tree. We now it's decorated for Valentine's day because like the warm glowy light, like we just do things in our house to keep it cheerful through this dark season because there's very, and I, you know, I take extra supplements and that sort of thing because, um, even if you're not diagnosed or aware of how much it impacts you, not seeing the sun or, or getting good chunks of sunlight. Cause for a lot of people, they go to work in the dark and they come home in the dark. So even if it was a sunny day outside they're they're at work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, you know, not fun, not ideal, but finding some things that you enjoy, like even just going for a walk after work, if you can, like if you're, uh, climate allows listening to a podcast or listening to some music you enjoy finding a good book to read like hobbies that bring you joy because yeah seven to four you're at work but you still have a few good hours after work to like do things that can yeah. light you up and I think that if you don't proactively find you know a routine or make the time for the habits then you will fall into the depressive like you get home from work and then you just sit until it's time to go to bed and then it's time to wake up and do the whole thing over again. And that's, yeah, yeah, it's not fun. So don't isolate, you know, like Emily said, I think like talking to friends, making phone dates, whatever, you know, especially if you don't feel like going and meeting people's places. But if you do, if you're open to that, like go meet people places, you know, like make plans, I think is helpful. Even, even if you don't currently feel like doing it, usually once you're there, you're like, oh yeah, this was fun. Or this, I know, I, I never regret it. I'm actually going through this. I think almost everyone I know right now, um, like I, I have a friend who was like, oh, can we do this thing tonight? And in my head, I'm like, Ugh. like, I, I want to do the thing, but I'm like, oh, it's a weeknight. And yeah, I just want to go to bed. But I was like, no, like you have to, you sometimes you have to push through that initial. I know. And uh, it's easier for every time I go, I, I'm supposed yeah. to go somewhere. Yeah. My kids have activities and James also does. He has a ho- an, an out of the house activity on Mondays. My kids have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I actively chose not to because I realize I'm more of like a weekend away kind of girly than a once a week activity. So I have a bunch of mm-hmm. girls weekends actually booked for this year. Um, that's yeah. more fulfilling to me than having a weekly obligation in my calendar Um, but being, but knowing that that's coming and, um, I, 
get really excited. I have a really long list of books I want to read. So it's, I get excited to finish work and read a book and like having a night where all I have to do is read my book. That's exciting mm-hmm. to me. It doesn't feel like wasted time. Um, so yeah. you just need to find those things. Like if you, you don't have to fight so hard against what you're naturally uh, inclined to do right now, which is essentially hibernate or slow down, but find things that fit into this season of life because soon our pool's going to be up in the backyard. We're going to be walking to the park after dinner with the kids every day. And I'm not going to be just cozy on my couch, reading a book with a, with a tea. Um, but both of those types of activities can fulfill you if you, I mean, it's, I'm not trying to be woo about it, but if you kind of just change your mindset around it a little bit, like mm-hmm. there's joy mm-hmm. in being home and hibernating and focusing on yourself and kind of looking inwards instead of looking outwards all the time. Yeah. I'm just confused at who you're going on girls weekends with. If it's not me, I don't remember us booking a bunch of those. So, um, pardon. We actually have a whole week booked. I know we have a whole week booked, but Um, what else? (laughs) I I believe you need to get, you need to get your girls passports and then we're good to go. I mean, I have a passport. (laughs) Come on down. (laughs) All right. Next story. Is this take-home interview assignment going overboard? Hmm. I'm currently seeking a new job opportunity. I've applied to an executive assistant temp to permanent role um, with the potential of earning up to $90,000 a year. Um, I completed the initial interview, after which the prospective employer requested a take-home assignment, followed by another in-person interview. However, upon reviewing the provided take-home assignment, I found it to be extremely extensive, including tasks such as, okay, so these are the tasks that were like, do these as part of the interview. They are not paid tasks. They're just trying to have this person, you know, do some work to see how they work, I guess. Okay. Drafting an introduction sample email, creating a 30-day onboarding plan, new office setup budget with low, medium, and high estimates. Generating a one-page sample for a team outing event with a $5,000 budget. It's too much. Stop. It's too much. (laughs) Proofreading an invoice and creating a PO template based off of it. Composing a sample email encompassing all these tasks. They also asked for all of this to be completed within a two to three hour time frame. Okay, this is nuts. This is wild. So... I could see, like, on our applications, whenever we've had one, it might be, how would you caption a photo about this? Like, one five-minute task that just gives us a sample of your work style. Yeah. Um, I remember doing an interview, and it was on the third stage, and I had to, it was in office. I actually got paid for, because I did some work and then some of it was like some brainstorming. What would you do in this situation? How would you do that? And I had to be there for three hours, but I got paid for those three hours. Um, yeah. But this is wild. One of those is acceptable. Yeah. One. Maybe one, two if they're I'm, two small ones. Yeah. One is creating a 30 day onboarding plan like this that. cat just won't leave me alone. <laughs> like a 30-day onboarding plan is that's wild to ask someone to do that in an in interview, interview process yeah. that's not going to take two to three hours like you don't even have don't the resources any... to do an onboarding plan. right um 
drafting an introduction sample email. Yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah, that's the one, right? Yeah. Like that's one. That would be the example, unless because there are, you know, pieces of um, hiring processes that can be paid projects, and when you're really, you know, trying to find maybe even compare multiple people, maybe you want them to do something a little bit more extensive. I would recommend, you know, a small paid project. It's worth the money to pay both people or multiple people to do it and then see how they perform, see how they communicate, et cetera. It's a really good practice in the interview process. Mm -hmm. But yeah, asking people to do free labor and it's like more than, you that's know. That's like a week's worth of tasks. Like it's a like whole a lot of tasks. Full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> For them to potentially turn around and give the job to someone else, like that's just a lot of that's a lot for them to ask. Um, so I would say no. Run for the hills. Pick one and yeah. then I'll do it. Or is this a paid project? Because this is yeah, two to three. Even if even if they really expect you to finish it within two to three hours, like, well, that's two to three hours of unpaid work here, you know? Yeah. So no, I don't think this is a realistic um No, not realistic at all. or normal assignment. <laughs> for an no. interview process. I would just do one and then I'd be like, oh, I, I thought, I assumed it was a typo and you were really just asking <laughs> me to pick one. Certainly <laughs> you're not asking me to do all, all of, of these. these. And so like, never. are all of them even like executive assistant type tasks? Like some of those were like- Marketing. Tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Like budget of like, yeah, like invoice. There's just like sure, those might be EA tasks, but they're a little bit yeah, I would need more direction. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last story for today. I'm paid the lowest at my job. Hmm. I work for a nonprofit and I genuinely do love it, but recently discovered that I'm the lowest paid employee. A coworker who is part-time and only works 20 hours a week gets paid double what I do. There's also another employee um, who makes more than I do. She only works 10 hours a week, but then when you calculate it hourly, she makes more than me. I had to get a second part-time job just to get by. My review is coming up and I'm debating on whether or not to bring this up. I have taken on more responsibility this year and don't feel that I'm being paid adequately. How would you address this? Yes, you bring this up. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need to bring up the other people and how much they're getting paid, but you absolutely need to advocate for yourself in your review and ask for a pay increase. Ask for what you feel the you know the new responsibility is worth in terms of your value to the organization. Now I understand yeah. like nonprofits sometimes have their hands tied in terms of how much they can pay you, but if you're due for a pay increase anyways, like you are going to have to advocate for that. Like they're not typically going to be like, do you want a pay raise? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's an appropriate time to bring it up, you know, mm -hmm. but I personally wouldn't necessarily, unless there was like, Unless it, unless they know that you know the, I would just be curious at how you know the what the other yeah. people are being paid. If they know that you know what they're being paid, then sure you could bring it up. Um, 
But if you found it out in some roundabout way, then I maybe wouldn't because it can seem like catty. I don't know. I think unless they come back with like, oh, that's not do like if they're going to come back with a no and say, oh, they can't make it work or whatever, or it's yeah. not come, it's not reflective of the job title or whatever it is. And you can show, well, you're paying X and Y, Z this much for comparable work. So I personally would want a little justification around, like, I think salary transparency is, is a slippery slope, but putting ranges for roles, it's like, okay, well, I would like to make 80K a year. How, what, what, how do I grow to that then? You know, like what, are, yeah. what are, what are, what am I missing out on? Because I am aware that there are other people at the organization making like what my goal salary is. So where do I need to, like, you can always approach it as development. What do you need to see for me to be earning that salary? Yeah, I think that's a good, a good um, way to approach it because we don't, we also don't know what these other people do and what value they are bringing to the organization. And if they have seniority. Yeah, and just because someone is part-time doesn't mean that they should be making less. Like the value they may bring or the expertise they may bring may mean that they can only afford them part-time because it is a higher level skill set than what you're producing or what your role is, mm -hmm. you know? And so maybe we're also not comparing apples to oranges when you're like looking at these other people's yeah. pay base um, and range because we might be bringing them in at a part-time because maybe that's all we need or because that's all we can afford or because they because have a very they're better high... at negotiating than you are or because they're better at negotiating or because they have a, like a really high level skilled expertise that you yeah. maybe don't have, you know, like, so I would, yeah, think about, that when you're advocating for yourself or when you're just comparing yourself in your head of like, this is not fair. Like they only work 10 hours a week, but hourly they're making more than me. And it's like, well, number one, you're on a salary. So hourly is going to be different. They're not making as much money. Um, but mm -hmm. also what is the skill set that they are bringing? And, you know, try not to compare yourself to them as you're going into that meeting, because like, really it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. What really matters is are you advocating for yourself for like what you think, what you're bringing to the table is being, you know, fairly really? compensated. Yeah. And if you don't think that it, you're being fairly compensated for what you're bringing to the table, then yes, you need to advocate for yourself in that conversation. That's yes. the time to do it. You 100%. know, yeah. Go in with like, this is all about you and, you know, with open, mind don't go in thinking you're gonna have to get scrappy about it just have an honest yeah. conversation have your have your data around why you deserve the the pay increase that you think you do and then take it from there yeah because just imagine like i'm just imagining myself as like an employer and someone's coming to me saying like well, you pay so-and-so this much, you know, like think about how that's going to go. Like that conversation is not going to go well. Like oh, you play these people more than me and blah, 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 blah. Like immediately I'm going to be able to communicate why I pay them more than you. Right. Yeah. Versus you coming in with like, 
Here's why I deserve to make more money. Here's the facts. Here's the data. Here's what I bring to the table. You don't need to mention anybody else. You just focus on yourself and and what value you're bringing to the organization. And that's going to be way better received. So I really hope that Brock Purdy is having this conversation with the San Francisco 49ers this week. You do? I do. Because I I think he deserves to be paid more. Okay. So What's I hope he gonna say like nine hundred thousand or something. Yeah, not even a million dollars. Like Patrick Mahomes' bonus for making it to the Super Bowl was more than Brock Purdy's annual salary. Aww, bless. So I hope that he's listening to this episode and advocates for himself when he speaks to management. Do you send him this? Should we send him this clip? Uh I I would, but I don't I don't want them to win the Super Bowl, so I don't want to fire him up too much. So okay. But just listen, Brock, like when you're going into that meeting, don't talk. You don't need to talk about Patrick Mahomes. You don't need to talk about whatever anyone else is making. You need to talk about what you have done, what you have brought to the team. You know, what have you brought to the team? Where did you get the team this year? Yes. To the Super Bowl. To the Super Bowl. And what type of paycheck is a Super Bowl quarterback worth? Right. right? What's that worth to your company, to your team? That's what you got to do. That's what you got to bring to every review meeting. Yeah. Are you an NFL quarterback? Is the value you bring yeah. Super Bowl worthy? Yeah. You know? Advocate for yourself. Yeah. If these athletes can do it, then we can do it. Like, I mean, I think they have agents, but yes. I mean, how hard can it be? Boys do it. Like, <laughs> but some so of them, <laughs> I know. It's so hard. <laughs> You got to do it because you can't afford an agent. <laughs> when you start closing a multi-million dollar contracts, then you can afford an agent to manage your contracts for you and negotiate your contracts for you. But until okay. then, you're going to have to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a wrap. But what I would like to say is if you have a story for us, please go to dearworkwives.com and submit your story anonymously. We would love to chat about it on the air. Yep. And we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.